on, Gene, kick it. Friday morning, September 23rd. The Tip of the Tower podcast repetition is back from the podcast grave, everyone. We're back here. going to be here once a week now, from now until the end of the Raptors season. Joining me, as always, is Tamar Grant. We'll be taking you through everything Raptors from now until hopefully the Eastern Conference Finals again, and maybe, you know what, an NBA Finals appearance. I know, far-fetched. I'll slow, I'll slow my roll, but that's what we're hoping for this here. This season hasn't even started yet. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> After last year, we could dream a little bigger now. I know it's a little too big, but, you know, we got to start somewhere. Yeah. It's Barman. How you doing? Great. We're back and we're better, man. You. Yeah, and we got some new fresh intro music um, brought to you by G Seropia. If you want to follow him, you can follow him on SoundCloud at G-S-O-R-O-P-I-A, all one word. Um, local guy here, makes some great beats. We love him. Hopefully you guys do too. So I know you're a big fan of it, Tamar. Yeah, dude. I love, I love you know, there's a, a conflict between us two on which intro song to, <laughs> to pick because they're so good. But uh, hopefully uh, the fans will like both of them. Well, we did reach an agreement. We're going to rotate for a bit. Right, exactly. Probably the whole season. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I think they're both great songs. This week, this song was called Licks. We both like it a lot, so. You know what? We'll let the we'll let the fans decide, you know, if they like one yeah. more than the other, then we'll just go with that. <laughs> it works for me. The Raptors are about to open up training camp, though, next week, so let's hop right into that. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on right now with the team. There's 20 guys on the roster that are going to fight for... Uh, you know, I should I should rephrase that. There's 20 guys on the roster, but there's five guys fighting for that final spot. There's been a couple of signings, and there's been one gigantic rumor looming over the team right now. That's Canadian Kelly Olynyk with the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are obviously in a bit of a roster bind with the amount of talent they have over the years with collecting all these draft picks and adding players. they got to start to make some moves to maintain guys long-term, and by doing that, they're going to have to shed people. And in this case, one of the names being brought up is Kelly Olynyk. Um, he's Canadian. He's born here in Toronto, you know. He grew up in BC, played at Gonzaga. The, the whole Canadian connection thing is there. I think that's one of the major reasons why people think he's going to get, like, traded or, like, released and, like, uh, get picked up by the Raptors is just because he's Canadian. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the number one reason why, actually. You know, you know, non-Canadian players play for the Raptors, too. It's not just Canadian players. <laughs> Man, there's a whole bunch of them, but I just... Here's the thing, okay? So we've been reading through all these rumors about Kelly Olynyk and why he'd be a good fit for the Raptors. I don't think anybody can argue against the fact that he would be a decent fit here, but what do you give up to get him? That's the real question. Yeah, and, you know, when you read into the, the rumors, nobody even says any anybody. They don't mention anybody in the trade. They're just like, a trade may be happening between the Raptors and the Celtics to get Kelly Olynyk, and that's well, it. Seen, and that's but it. we've seen a few names kicked around. We saw... We saw Bebe Noguera and DeLon Wright. That ain't happened. That's a bad like, trade. That's a bad trade for the Raptors. So, when have you ever seen Masai Jury make a trade like that? Yeah, never. Especially because those are kind of like uh, two players that he really likes. You know, they're kind of almost like pet projects for him. So I can't imagine him trading both of them for somebody that is, you know, not guaranteed to make the team better. Well, then you saw Bebe in a second round pick. If you're Boston, I don't think you go for that. And if you're the Raptors, I don't think you give up on Bebe. Yeah, exactly. I like Bebe just because of the, the potential of him, and I think that's why uh, Masai Ujiri likes him too. I don't know, dude. The the Kelly Olynyk thing is starting to... It just sounds more and more far-fetched when you, when you look into it. I think it is. And You know what? Let me ask you this. If you're the Celtics and you really are this financially strapped and all this other stuff, which technically they're not. They can make a couple moves and you know, make things work out for them to, to do whatever moves they want to make. I mean, they have so many options where it's, it's really tough to narrow down one specific thing with the Celtics because, again, they have so many options. But if the Raptors were to offer them the L.A. Clippers' protected first-round pick that they own this year, would you accept that if you're the Celtics? Oh, just that? That and let's throw in, I don't know, we could throw in a second or we could throw in, like, a project player. Oh, no way, man. It's not even close. Kelly Olenek is, like, an actual... You know, he's an actual basketball player, so for just a late first-rounder, a late first-rounder, you hope that turns into Kelly Olenek. So it's not even close to worth it. You just See, I, I agree, because anything more than that, though, if you're the Raptors, it's probably a bad trade for you. And plus, for Boston, that's just trading a player into, like, a future asset, and they're at the point where they're trying to get those future assets to turn into, like, actual players. So it just feels like, you know, 
going into like uh, just recycling their players, which doesn't make any sense for them at this point. Yeah, and I mean, giving up any more for the Raptors doesn't make sense either, which kind of nullifies this whole rumor. And plus, they're com- they're uh, they're fighting against each other for the conference, like to lead in the conference. So why would you help out somebody that you're trying to uh, defeat? Because he's Canadian. <laughs> I mean, he wants to go home, right? Like every other Canadian player. <laughs> it's, it's just you know, it's, again, it's just like far fetched, man. He's Canadian, okay, man. We get it. Andrew Wiggins probably not coming either, dude. It's okay. <laughs> Are we gonna go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> I just, you know, it's like such a weird narrative. Like anybody that's Canadian is like, yo, they might go to the Raptors. So it's almost like, um, remember when Kevin Durant was maybe going to the Washington? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, he's going home. Under Armour deal. DC guy. DC guy. Even though we're terrible and didn't make the playoffs this year, he's coming. Yeah. And then there was the whole like OVO Drake rumor about you know. Yeah. That's gonna lure Durant here. I don't know, man. It's still we're it's September. Almost October. Rumor mill's got to churn something out eventually, man. It's been quiet for the past couple past couple days, couple weeks. It's kind of a dead period right now, though. Like, we're about to fire it back up again right now. I mean, next week, media day starts with the Raptors, and then they head out west for training camp. So a lot of teams are going to be going back to camp, and it's just things will start picking up. We're getting closer and closer to basketball season. We're, what, we're just over a month away now. Yeah, that's exciting, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait for the season. You know, <clears throat> something I've been kicking around was like, what are we going to... I've been kicking around this idea about uh, the Raptors and the Celtics. You know, we were speaking about it earlier, like, you know, months earlier about the rivalry. That might actually become like a serious thing, man. Even like now with that trade, this like secret trade of Kelly Olenek, you may come to the Raptors. <laughs> Is this getting you know? <laughs> is this getting? Don't kill me. Is, <laughs> is getting a little more and more toasty between the Celtics and the Raptors, man. It's just every time there's a there's a sentence containing both of those two teams, it just gets a little bit more chippier, you know. Well, depending on who you talk to, they are definitely the undisputed one-two contenders for the Atlantic Division. And when I say depending on who you talk to, that's if you're not talking to like a Knicks fan. If you're talking to a Knicks fan. <laughs> There's three teams fighting for the Atlantic this year, and don't forget it. The Knicks are for real. They're back. Poor Zingod. Poor Zingod. Derek Rose. Joakim Noah. And we didn't even mention Melo yet. Like, come on. Knicks fans everywhere just rejoicing. They're back. They're back, apparently. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I yeah, mean, I'll believe it at when least, I see it. You know, the Celtics versus the Raptors for the for like the two, one, two, or three spot in the conference is going to be exciting. Who do you think? Which team do you think is better? Between the Raptors and the Celtics? Yeah. I literally feel like they're going to be close the entire season. Um, I think the Raptors are slightly better if they're healthy. Oh. And long-term outlook, though, like Kyle Lowry is definitely going to, he's going to get beat up again this season, right? So I think his health will determine who's the better team at the end of the season. I know that's not really giving you an answer, mm-hmm. but I, I just feel like Kyle Lowry is that important when those two teams play that his health will dictate whether they win or lose. Okay. I was I was thinking about that as you know, it's there's no definitive answer for it, but it makes for good uh, good podcasting <laughs> to think about which team is better. I think that's going to be like one of the prevailing questions throughout this season. Well, something we're going to get into a little later. It's uh, over unders. Those got released today for the NBA, or they got released two days ago. Sorry. Um, we'll let you know who Vegas thinks is better, <laughs> and those guys are pretty good at setting odds. So, I mean, who they think is better is probably going to be right. But before we get into that. We mentioned earlier in the podcast the Raptors have the 15th roster spot up for grabs. One of the players they signed last week was Brady Heslip. He's also a Toronto native, so, you know, it makes sense. Um, he's going to be heading into training camp, battling up for that 15th roster spot. So he has to make the squad. He's, he has to. <laughs> he has to. He's from Toronto, so it's only fitting. <laughs> um, Fred Van Fleet, point guard, is going to be there. Drew Crawford, shooting guard, will be there. EJ Singler, small forward. Uh, you got Gerard Utah, power forward. And then Yannick Marrera, who's going to be... You know, battling it out too. He's a center. He's a French center. Mm-hmm. Out of those five guys, is there one guy you think can really leapfrog everybody? I'm I'm ninety percent sure it's going to be Van Fleet, even though he's like a short guard, and uh, he like he doesn't really feel like an NBA player just because they have Delon Wright's injured. I just need somebody to fill the space. I feel like that's what's going to be the the decider for the Raptors is like just in case. Something bad happens. Like, well, you know, it's already Delon Wright yeah. is something bad that has happened, but if something again, if something again happens, then I need at least Van Fleet 
to make sure that I, my backup point guard uh, rotation doesn't fall off the wagon. So to read into that a bit deeper then, from what I get, at least from what you're saying, is that you really feel like they want to manage the minutes of Lowry and Joseph this year, and that's why Van Fleet would have to come on the roster too. Yeah, that was, you know, people were looking forward to DeLon Wright playing just so Kyle Lowry can get a little bit more rest. You know, every time you, every year you get older, you know, you want to decrease the minutes after you turn 30 just so it uh, lessens the wear and tear on Lowry's body. If somebody drives to the hoop very much, that hurts, man. This is like your durability. If there's a rating in real life, your durability rating goes down every time you get hit in the paint, and Kyle Lowry's been doing that his entire career. Oh, yeah, and they say in pro sports, your best asset, availability. If you're not available, I can't use you. So I think keeping Lowry obviously healthy will keep him available, which will help, you know, catalyst the Raptors' success. You know, if we go kind of like player by player, though, I think it's kind of interesting. I think we can make a case for another guy here. You know, tell me about the other guy. Okay, so when you look at Van Fleet, he's an obvious fit, right? The Raptors need a third point card with DeLon right out. Ahead of him is Kyle Lowry, Corey Joseph. We know the narrative there. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. You go two down, you got Brady Heslip and Drew Crawford. Heslip's a streaky six foot one, you know, jump shooter. Um, we both have had a chance to see him play in the Crown League here in Toronto, Team Canada. When he's hot, he's hot. But when he's cold, ice man. cold. Yeah, he's uh, ice cold. And then Drew Crawford's kind of uh, he's kind of like a hybrid slasher jump shooter. He's, I think he's nine oh five bound mm-hmm. or picked up off waivers by somebody else, especially because DeRozan and Norm Powell are ahead of them. Right, right. So I, I think both guys are kind of off the radar. All right, you're, tell me, you're telling me about everybody else, but tell me about the guy who you think is making the squad. 15th man. 15th man? I think this guy's a dark horse. Um, I'll skip over draw Utah and Yannick Marrera. Marrera, not making it. They're too deep at center. Uh, draw Utah. I like him. He's like a 3-4, but I don't think he's athletic enough. The guy who I think is a dark horse is EJ Singler. Okay. The reason why I say that, he's got that long, wiry frame. He had a really good last final bit there with the Raptors 905, that 10-game stint he had where he just lit it up. Um, he can defend from 1 to 4. I mean, he's very athletic. He's I hate saying this because everybody always makes fun of it, but he's deceptively fast. No, man, he's say, def- well, he's, he's quick. Fast. I know. He's def- I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> but I think he, his athleticism is good enough that you can use him to defend a variety of positions. And he shoots the three well enough, especially in the corner, which is something the Raptors like to utilize out of their second unit. They need a guy who can shoot the three, and particularly in the corner. So I that's can, something he thrives at. I, I think he's just—I think he's a dark horse. I can get down with him, man. If Van Fleet doesn't make it, at least EJ can shoot it. Like, he can shoot it from the corners. That's what you just mentioned. You know, every highlight that you watch of him, three-point shot from the corners, baby. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that he'll surpass is he'll surpass Bruno Caboclo, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. That's that's amazing, dude. I know. I, Bruno's so young, like he's still young, but at the same time, I just don't think he's developed that much yet. I think EJ Singler's further along than he is. Oh my gosh! And yeah, and, you know, Bruno's been in the 905 slash NBA for two years now. So what yeah. do I say about Bruno? Oh, God. Right. Well, here's the other side of the coin too. If you're the Raptors, you're gonna play a lot of these guys. These these guys vying for this 15th roster spot. A lot of them got partial guarantees in their contracts. So with Van Fleet and Utah, they got $50,000 guarantees. Most of the time, back in the day, you wouldn't get any any money for showing up to camp. That's like true. You would literally get your base deal, and that's it. There's a little bit of incentives with these guys for them to make the team more. Now, part of it, too, is because if they release them, if they get cut, they have to clear waivers. If they clear waivers, then they can go to the 905. So if they clear waivers, this guarantee is basically them being guaranteed to spot in the 905. Right. So I think they're going to give these guys a long look in camp. Because when you look at the Raptors roster, you know who's playing. It's more important for these guys to get minutes, in my opinion. That's why is, I think, is that fair to say? That's why I think Van Fleet's getting the spot, man. Because we know who's going to play. We know, play, you know who, we know who's playing as shooting guard. We know who's playing as small forward. But point guard is like the only place where like we're wavering a little bit. Just because it's only two people, we're like, oh, man, I don't know. See, that's where I think, though, when you look at small like shooting guard... It's only DeRozan and Powell. Yeah, but I know some people like to play. I knew it. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> it might, if it was up to me, Terrence Ross would be their third shooting guard. You know, it's like, yeah. I just, and he definitely can bounce between the two positions. You know, he's basically, he's more equipped to guard shooting guards. He can guard small forwards, but he'd definitely be better at guarding shooting guards. So, you know, 
there's there's they at least they have the backup of uh, Terrence Ross there, point guard man. I don't know. No, it makes sense. On paper, it makes sense to have Van Fleet. Just more so for the fact that, like you're, you've been saying here, the depth. It makes sense. It's a natural position. It's somewhere that they they need to maintain, right? It's arguably the most important position on the floor. Yeah, don't get me wrong, man. I like I like Singler. I also like Utah. I kind of wish he would make this team, but the depth, man, the depth. That's the only thing. I mean, as a coach, you'd be scared about that as well, you know, because if something else happens to one of those players and you really have like nobody, like you'd be relying on Demar Derozan to be your primary ball handler most of the time. Oh yeah, and then you're basically you start burning through some of your 10-day contracts. Actually, no, you can't do it till later in the season. You're basically digging for, like, veteran guys. Um, it's It just puts them in a really bad spot, in my opinion. Yeah, and when you don't have a point guard, like, that hurts the entire team. Like, you can kind of survive without a player at, like, small forward or shooting guard because they don't have the ball all the time. But if you're missing your point guard, somebody else who's, like, lesser at ball handling and decision-making is going to have to handle the ball. And that just, you know, it hurts the construct of the offense. So if I can get just like a backup guy, just a backup point guard, just in case anything goes bad, I think that would be benef- more beneficial than anything else. Yeah. I, I really don't have an argument against it. Personally, I just like Singler. I think he's just a really versatile player that is going to get left out because the way this roster is designed. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, we'll see him on the 905 for sure. If you oh, I, honestly, I'm looking forward to going 905 games this year. Yeah, they got a lot Not of... Not just because of the talent. They got like a lot of... Jerry Stackhouse? <laughs> You love Jerry Stackhouse, man. You'll love him by about the second game, I guarantee it. Uh, Maybe even the second quarter of the first game. The <laughs> amount of trash Jerry Stackhouse talks is unreal. Yeah, You're going to hear him barking everybody. I can't, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And I also like, you know, I like the talent that's going to end up showing up there. So it's going to yeah, be fun to watch. Of, for what, their second year in existence now? It's They're doing good things they there. They probably have the best, I know, like the best D-League team. Like, just, like, they have so much talent on it compared to other D-League teams. I feel like the 905 is doing really well in that front. Like, the Raptors are really treating it like a triple, almost like a baseball triple A, when other teams are kind of just have, like, ah, I got two or three guys that could have made the team but can't, so we'll just throw them on the D-League team. Yeah, no, I love the way they use it like a bus team, too, where it's, it's down the street, technically. I mean, it's just, what, you just hop on the highway... You go from either the ACC to the Hershey Center or Hershey Center to the ACC. They can uh, maneuver guys in an easy, fa- easy manner. Sorry, So I like how they do that, too, and I think it's really beneficial. Dude, something with the Raptors that came out, too, what, Wednesday was over-unders, like we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So how would you rank the East? Like, wait. Give me, give me your 1 to 3 in the Eastern Conference, or even 1 to 5. Okay. In in order, or do you just want me to just... just yeah, it? give it to me in order. Okay, in order. See, it's maybe... I would say the Cavs are number one, but then how how much do you think the Cavs are going to be like using LeBron throughout the season? I think they can do what they did last year and still finish number one. <laughs> <laughs> remember, he t- remember he did take... Was that the last year or the year before where he took a break? LeBron could take a break for two weeks this year. It's not going to matter. Okay, so then it would be the Cavs. Yep. And then this is the hard part. And then and then I would have the Raptors. Okay. Right? And then I'm gonna have Boston. And then I'm gonna put in. I mean, the East is like. I guess Atlanta. Right, we have Dwight Howard now, and then Detroit. I guess. So you actually nailed the first five teams that they have. <laughs> Not in order, though. So okay. according to Vegas, the odds that came out, they have the Cleveland, Cavalier, the Cleveland Cavaliers first with 56.5 wins, the Celtics in second with 51.5 wins, mm-hmm. the Raptors in third with 49.5 wins, the Pistons 45.5 wins in fourth, the Hawks in fifth with 43.5 wins tied with the Pacers, who have 43.5 wins. The Pacers, 43.5, wow. Yeah, so these lines are always about, not necessarily about how many wins they think they're going to get spot on. It's kind of like a ballpark, and it also takes into account public perception. Teams like the Celtics are obviously getting a lot of bets on the over because they have a huge fan base, so they account for that. There's a little bit of juice that's added to, to betting on that there. I know some Raptors fans are pissed off because, you know, this is a six-game, like, basically they're going for 56 to 50 wins this year is what they're saying. Right. Or less. So they think they're going to lose six more games this year. That's believable. I think that's believable, too. I mean, you look at last year, 
Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, these guys had career years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely outrageous years. Bismack. Bismack, too. I, can we expect that to happen again? No, man, I can't. I can't see it because just because Kyle Lowry is getting a year older and they don't have Bismack. Because remember, Jonas got injured for, like, what, 20 games, 30 games? It was a while. So they had Bismack to fall back on. So if Jonas gets injured again, or if anybody gets injured again, they don't have, like, I mean, they have Norman Powell now. We'll see. <laughs> How many wins do you feel that they regress by? I still think they clear 50. I think they're, yeah. So if we're doing the over-under, the over-under is 49 and a half, right? Yeah, I think I take the over there I'm, all day. I think I'm taking the over. You know, 50 wins sounds right for me, for this team. Yep. You know, I guess, yeah, that's six games lost, but I still like I still like 50 wins, 52, maybe even 53. It's just like, I feel like they topped out completely last year. They were even beating the Cavs, you know, like Kyle Lowry had that game-winning shot, so... Yeah, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Everything fell into place for them. Okay, thoughts on the Celtics all of a sudden having 51.5 wins as a total? That's not... That's, that's a, a lot. No, it's not. Um, they won, you don't think so? No, not at all. They won 48, what, 49 games, right, last season? Yeah, so you... Th- okay. You th- how, much, how many wins do you think Al Horford is worth? That's why I was just about to ask you. <laughs> I think he's worth a few. Right? I don't know, like... I'm going to say, yeah, you know what? If I was going to say three or four, yeah. that puts them right around there. Yeah, so I'm taking the over on the Celts, too. Man, so you think the Celtics are going to do what the Raptors did last year, probably I, win 56 I, games? Man, I go back on back and forth between which team is better. I really do. Same. Like, I, there are some days, like, if you ask me tomorrow, I'd be like, man, I don't know. Celtics could be better. And then if you ask, you know, you ask me today, I said the Raptors. Well, I think there's a deciding factor here. We both think their roster construction is pretty similar, and it's pretty even. Brad Stevens or Dwayne Casey? Who you take? Brad Stevens. The president, Brad Stevens. Man, <laughs> President Brad Stevens all day. <laughs> I know it's like a Bill Simmons you know, following right there. President but Brad. He's that damn good. Yeah, he's an amazing coach, man. And plus, you know, every time you give him more pieces, the team gets better. And even when he was getting the same pieces, the team was getting better. So I can't imagine him imagine the team regressing in any way that's pretty much it you know <laughs> like they have better they have a better player and the coach is better and the coach is amazing with the, when he's using personnel Al Horford is definitely one of those guys that uh he's not I wouldn't say malleable but he's very um you know he's kind-hearted everybody seems to like him right and being on the Celtics team where they're all young young dudes that like have, have fun but they also like to work He's going to fit in perfectly with them. Brad Stevens is going to love him. It's going to be, I'm telling you, this is going to be like a puzzle piece fitting into the a puzzle for the Celtics. I think Al Horford's a perfect fit there. Yeah. He's so versatile, right? He can literally play everything, like you're saying. Yeah. He's, and Brad Stevens always finds ways to use guys. You can bounce him between the power forward and center, so that means you can play Amir Johnson, or if you want, you play Kelly Olynyk. Like, you can play anybody, any of the big men that they have, they can play him next, next to them. So, yeah, see, I just see again. <laughs> I, do you think who do you think is better, man? The Celtics or the Raptors? Now that I've just said that, who do you think is going to be better now? <laughs> I still think it's close, but I, I'm going to have to lean the Celtics, like just barely, just barely. I mean, I really think Brad Stevens is the deciding factor, though. Okay. Just because I feel like he can get more out of his guys, whereas the Raptors, time after time, we've seen them fall victim to things like iso ball, dead sets, um, getting bailed out by a Lowry prayer. Not not necessarily a prayer, but just him making a play that you wouldn't expect, and you're like, oh wow, now the Raptors are, you know, they're back. Whereas with the Celtics, they don't really fall into those scenarios as often. They still do, but it's just not as often. Yeah, they really work as a team. Yeah, they're more cohesive than the Raptors are, in my opinion. So yeah, uh, the overall Knicks. both, and I'm I'm switching my opinion. The Celtics are the better team. I'll say for now. <laughs> I want to see them play a bit. I'll say just for now. Just for now. Knicks fans though. Uh, what's the Here, you mean the over under on the Knicks? Take a guess, because I've been like trashing them all summer. But the, take a guess. The over under is thirty seven and a half. Thirty no thirty eight. Thirty eight and a half. Yeah, thirty eight and a half. Oh, spot on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're at. Thirty eight and a half. They're tied with the Bulls, who are not what people think they are either. Yeah, both of those uh, teams are yeah, bad. Yeah, and the Bucks thirty nine and a half. Hornets thirty nine and a half. It's just that big like cluster of teams down there that are range from thirty six and a half to thirty nine and a half. 
Yeah, the Knicks are going to be bad. And I don't think Knicks, Knicks fans must know it, right? I don't know, man. Because some of them, I, I swear to God, they're stuck in the late 2000s. Like, the 2008 to 2010, where they still think Derrick Rose is an MVP. And joking Noah can play defense still. I'm, I, I'm at a loss for words when I talk to Knicks fans. Oh, man. Okay, what about those Bulls fans? The Bulls, I think the Bulls fans are more realistic. Delusional. No. Thinking Dwayne Wade's no, no. no. <laughs> Thinking Dwayne Wade's gonna, you know, be healthy for eighty-two games of the year. Are you kidding me? No, this. Well, that's not happening. Not even that. Just like the inability to shoot the ball from range. None of them can. None of them can. Only Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy that's Butler's it. improved. And like Doug McDermott in uh, in stretches and. Then and Miritich. Miritich, but he stretches. but he played like his. He didn't shoot well from three last year. So no. Yeah, so the Bulls, the Bulls and the Knicks. I'm sorry, guys, but it's not happening. <laughs> and it's not. I get the whole the Bulls, the Raptors, you know, kryptonite. I understand that. Yeah, I don't. I think it's not going to happen this year. I think. Me Raptors, neither. I think the Raptors are like slated for domination of the Bulls this year. Me too. I mean, Lowry or Rondo. The Rock. <laughs> like Rondo's in Chicago now so for all those good nights you get of Rondo you're also getting the bad Rondo which is turnover prone fighting people in the locker room like that's going to be a very combustible team you know it's going to be interesting because you know Jimmy Butler was growing as like a ball handler last year and now they just added Dwayne Wade and Rondo two ball dominant guards so. yeah like how the hell did Rondo and Wade fit together so how is Jimmy Butler going to get opportunities to shoot the ball or distribute the ball and there's not going to be that many people outside to kick the ball to, so. Yeah, it's, it. I feel just like Chicago's in a state of transition. I don't know what they're doing, man. I don't know why they would ever sign Dwayne Wade. I don't know either. And you know what's scary is that one of these teams here that's down low will probably overachieve this year. Like, more than likely. Um, could be the Bucks. It could be the Knicks, though. It could you, be, too. I mean, if you get Derrick Rose. You could sell me on the Knicks winning 40, 41 games. They're a colossal what-if. They need so much to go right, or Melo to have this throwback retro season and Porzingis to take this monster step forward, and Derrick Rose to be serviceable and know what to play what, 60 games? Yeah. Yeah. Then then I could see them being decent. They're not scaring anybody, though, because when you look at the Pistons and the Hawks, they're both still very good teams, and even the Pacers. Those three teams have gotten better. Yo, you think the Pacers are good? I think they're average. Is, I don't think they're great. Give me the think... over-under on the Pacers here. Oh, it's 43 and a half. 43 and a half? No, they're not that good. They're not. In the East? I guess. No, no, you can't. Man, Paul George era is upon us. I guess. That dude can win games on his own. <laughs> That's true, but they got, like, the point guard. They got worse at point guard. They still have Monte Ellis on their team. You don't I, like Monte Ellis? I don't like I loved him in the Raptors series. Yeah, I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're cheering for the Raptors. That's why you loved him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hot, he's hot garbage. <laughs> Who are you kidding here? So they still have him. You know, Paul George is still there. I mean, then, you know, Miles Turner is going to be better. So, I don't They're definitely going to improve. I don't... I don't know. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not sold. Jeff Teague... You know, Jeff T is like a slightly above average playing guard. He's fast, but that the identity of the Pacers is defense. You know, doesn't really fit into that defensive identity. Well, they have Raptors darling back in the trade deadline. There, somebody that you know fans love to link to the Raptors. Dad Young. <laughs> also, <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be great. I think that that Pacers team is gonna be interesting to watch. I just want to, you know, the spacing on that team is gonna be interesting. Yeah. But I don't think their 43 wins good, man. I really don't. Really? No. So that, you think they're going to fight for that eighth playoff spot? Yeah. You know what? I, this is your opportunity right now. Sell me on the Pacers. I can't really sell you on them. I just think Paul George is amazing, and they have some pieces in place that fit in well with how the Eastern Conference landscape is. You can get by with Jeff Teague in the East. You can get by with Thad Young in the East. There's just, like these are just supplementary guys that you can get by with when you have a superstar like Paul George. Okay. I just feel like Paul George is going to win them games on some nights that they should lose. Right. Because he's that damn good. So are you taking the over or the under? I think that line's properly. I think it's properly rated. We'll get into a game later when we do like a fantasy basketball preview where okay. we'll take player rankings and we'll go underrated, overrated, or properly rated. <laughs> and I feel like that's properly rated. 
So 43, was it 43 and a half or 43? Yeah, 43 and a half. Okay. That's a 500 season. Yeah, no, no. It's like slightly, slightly over. Yeah, slightly above. We'll Which see. I feel like is obtainable. Al Jefferson is on their team now, by the way. If Al Jefferson can stay healthy, though. Al Jefferson and Ty Lawson are both on that team now. That that was so good, like, six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monte Ellis, six years ago, Jeff Teague. Maybe not Jeff Teague six years ago, because he'd be in his rookie, I think his rookie season, but still. Man, how the mighty have fallen, eh? Remember those guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Monte Ellis, have it all. <laughs> Remember when we were asking the question, Monte Ellis or Steph Curry? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Looking back on that now, how dumb was that question? Dude, they were booing... They were booing Joe Lacob when uh when they made that shade. Yeah, which is it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. They booed him when they made that trade, and I think when they traded Beadrins, they also booed him. So Beadrins, there's a name. Him and Baron Davis. All right, man. You Woo. you were telling me about the rank. You're talking about rankings. Did you yes. check out the Sports Illustrated uh, rankings? Yeah, and the top 100. <laughs> There's one guy we're going to talk about, obviously. DeMar DeRozan, man. Yo, he was uh, yo, he was pissed. He was <laughs> extra salty. You know, he doesn't really tweet many things on his uh, on his, in his Twitter account, you know? Nothing, like, super personal. So for him to actually, like, direct a tweet to something, that that uh, that really stuck out to me. Well, to go expletive out of here? Yeah. Proven wrong? It's like, yeah. That, that speaks volumes. Yeah. That he, speaks volumes. Yeah, he's, on, you know, he's kind of a quiet dude. So he doesn't really, he's not really outspoken about anything like that. He's like, just committed to playing basketball. But uh, 46, man, that's mad low. Even I feel like that even, was too low. Even for me. Even for you. <laughs> Hold on. Because you're, you're arguably the biggest DeMar DeRozan detractor. Okay, that's a good, yeah, that's a good word. Detractor is a good word. I'm not going to say hater. No, man, it's not true. It's not hate. It's ob- <laughs> objective observation of play style. Objective observation. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll give that to you then. Yeah, so 46, man. 46 is like, basically, he's like a slightly above average player. That's what 46 really means to me. Yeah, I think that they, they just think he's an okay, sco- like he's a good scorer and he's an okay player. Right. That's kind of what that that screams to me. I mean, that's that's correct. You know, I don't, he's a, but, he's a good scorer. But an I think, all-star? Yeah, but he, there's a lot there's a lot there to like with his game that goes beyond just being you know a volume score. Yeah, but he's you know you mentioned All Star, but it's in the East, so that diminishes. I mean, I got the description up here. If you want me to read it sure. about what they wrote about him? Read it for me. So Ben Golliver wrote this. Uh, there's no debating that the past 12 months stand as the high water mark of Demar Derozan's career. He posted career highs in scoring, PER, and win shares. He advanced in the playoffs for the first time. He earned his second All Star trip. He was a central piece on the top five offense for the second straight season. He raked in a fat 139 milliliter contract, and he won gold at the Rio Olympics. Even DeRozan's harshest critics, <clears throat> DeMar, the ones who <laughs> rightfully point to his poor shot distribution, rough efficiency numbers, shaky three-point stroke, and forgettable defense, must acknowledge that DeRozan's 23.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, and 4 assists per game took his non-shooting approach to the shooting guard position about as far as it can go last season. How long will it take for the other shoe to drop? DeRozan, 27 years old, has logged massive minutes for six straight seasons. He hasn't made much progress extending his range, and he's had the benefit of playing in the glow created by Kyle Lowry. DeRozan's defensive work has really gone in the tank, too. Last year, Synergy Sports ranked him in the 21st percentile overall as a defender. Defensive Real Plus Minus ranked him number 78 among shooting guards, so that's Derrick Rose level. And Toronto's defensive rating improved by nearly six points when he was off the court. For now, DeRozan's elite ability to get to the foul line and his strong fit with Lowry should keep the, this honeymoon going. Unfortunately for DeRozan, the margin between best season ever and big step backwards looks pretty thin. Last year, he was ranked number 61, and they give some little plus-minuses here. Um, they got a plus. He set new career highs with 23.5 points per game, a 21.5 PR, and a 9.9 win share, which is quite a bit. Another plus they have is he was fourth in the 2016 playoffs with 123 free throws made, trailing only Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron James. Now some negatives. His 46.3% efficient field goal percentage was the worst among players with at least 1,200 field goal attempts last year. He led the NBA with 558 field goal attempts from 10 to 19 feet, but connected on just 40.3%. So things we knew. 
yeah. to be quite honest. You know, as Raptors fans. Advanced statistics don't like him. You know. How could, like, how could advanced statistics like a volume score that shoots a lot of two-point, like long two-pointers? Right, even is, um, the, the most damning thing for him is his RPM. Among shooting guards, he's ranked number 24. Okay, but look. He kind of plays an archaic game, though, man. Like, he's like, he wants to be Kobe in a sense, but that does not translate well into stats. I mean, Kobe, you know, Kobe last year and the year before was like, mm, you know, meh. <laughs> you know? Man, it was borderline tire fire at times. <laughs> well, last year it was like, he was probably like the worst, um, the worst shooting guard to ever play, like a starting position. Like, last year alone. Is probably the worst uh, sh- shooting guard season ever for a starter. It, was, it wasn't what we became accustomed <laughs> to seeing in Kobe Bryant. You know, no, it, it was, was a farewell tour. It was like Kobe. actually historically bad, though. Like it was, it was, yeah. it was crazy, crazily bad. Like he shot terribly from everywhere. He was below league average from everywhere. It was a perfect fit for the Lakers, though. Who are we kidding? <laughs> that Wait, team was bad. But yeah, for DeRozan, you know, none of the advanced statistics like him. But you you have to consider like um, his skill set and what he's actually good at. Like he's good at scoring. He's good at scoring inside of the arc. That's pretty much it. But I don't I think forty six is like you know, that's egregious. Too low. It's egregious, man. Like yeah. Ahead of him, he has Andre Iguodala. You know, I I think he's better than Andre Iguodala. Hell yeah! I think he might even be better than Nick Batum. You know, Pau Gasol is also right ahead of him. Pau Gasol is ranked ahead of him. He's a dinosaur. Steven Adams is ranked ahead of, ahead of him. Yeah, it's no bueno. Chris Middleton is ahead of him. You and can make a case for Chris Middleton, in my opinion. Right? So he's not a, a strong one, but it's debatable. Right? But for, So Chris Middleton, Middleton is at number 39. And then you got Brooke Lopez, Kemba Walker. He's better than Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is ranked at number 36, which is amazing to me. I don't really understand it. He's better than Serge Ibaka, too. Serge Ibaka's at 42. Yeah, Serge Ibaka's all potential still. He's not sure if he wants to play like a guard or play like a power forward. I know he claims to be a stretch four, but man, if you're going to be a stretch four, you got to shoot the ball a bit better and not put on the deck so much and turn it over. Yeah, so at 46, it's low. I mean, it's too low, but it's not like chronically low. It's not like super low. It's just, you know, maybe he's like 40, 35. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that 35 to 40 range is where he should be. Yeah. I know we're we're really bitching about what nine <laughs> spots here. I think it's worth it though. Like you know, people actually pay attention to stuff like this. You know, maybe it's not it's so important for you and I, but like if you're a casual fan, you saw this ranking. You know, you wouldn't think Demar Derozan is that good. And for like the Toronto Raptors, a, a franchise that's kind of fighting for relevancy and uh, importance, right, and recognition. Matters for them for Demar Derozan to be ranked 46 when they think he should be ranked 35 or something like that. It's a good point. I, I don't think there's any argument that. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the end of the day with Derozan, when you look at all of his skill set and rankings aside here, the way he plays is a really good fit for this Raptors team, is and it it's kind of it's kind of tailored towards him a bit, don't you think? Is it though? I'm just like every time I think about uh, the Raptors playing and Demar Derozan has the ball, I'm just like. Okay, here we go. And like he's he's a ball stopper, you know, he's black hole with the ball. He has to as soon as he gets it, he tries to score and if he can't score then it's like a pass out of desperation. But yeah, it's a vortex. Right? But I you know, when I has when I see like Norman Powell in his spot and shooting guard and I see Kyle Lowry with the ball and like or running plays or pick and rolls and it's like she's shooting it from three point range, forty percent, I'm just like this is just like something DeMar DeRozan can't, or just not even can't, because he shot like 33% this year. He just won't shoot it from three. And I feel like the offense flows better with Norman Powell on the floor. versus Just like the flow of the offense is better with Norman Powell instead of DeMar DeRozan. So I don't know if he's really better for the team. I don't know if his play style fits it. It's kind of archaic, man. Yeah, if he, if he can prove that he can shoot threes this year, I'm not talking like three or four a game. One a night would be even be great. He shoots. I, I, you want two. You you want two I or want three. Two or three. It's he has to make two or three. So that means he's taking at least six or seven. Man, if he makes two or three, the Raptors are going to win fifty-five to damn near fifty-eight games again. Yeah, because then he's basically James Harden, but taller. Yeah. Yeah. And has post. And has a post game. 
Yeah, and he takes that. That that would mean DeRozan is taking another step forward in his evolution as a player. Yeah, you know that's what you try to do every year. You know he's only twenty seven. You know, adding a three point. You know, Jason Kidd added a three point shot to his game, and he's like in his thirties. So it's you know it's doable. Jason Kidd's also like a brilliant basketball mind though too. I'm not saying DeRozan isn't, but he's not Jason Kidd level. Yeah, but the three point shot is like that's uh. That's accuracy, you know, like that's something you can master when you're young or when you're old. You're just trying to replicate muscle, you know, muscle memory. Okay. It's, it's hard to shoot from three, but like it's doable, man. People learn how to shoot the three. Kawhi Leonard learned how to shoot the three. Kawhi Leonard, there's our guy. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Yeah, he is. He's one of the best players in the league, period. Yeah. Yeah, so you can definitely learn how to shoot the three, man. It may take a, a year or two, and he's, you know, he's, I would assume that he's a pra- been practicing since last year to actually shoot it. So I'm waiting for that to come around, man. When is, it, when is that happening? <laughs> in due time, in due time. <laughs> Do you have any other issues with any of the other Raptors that were listed on the uh, SI100 here? We got Corey Joseph was listed as a snub, so pretty much honorable mention. Damari mm-hmm. Carroll slotted in at 73. Jonas Valanciunas slotted in at 62, which I felt might have been a bit, you know, he could have been a bit higher. Then you got DeRozan, 46, and Kyle Lowry at number 14. You know, I like him at 14. Some people were, like, even considering him, like, a top 10 player within the league, which was pretty interesting for me. Sorry. (laughs) I thought that was pretty interesting for him to be considered, like, a top 10 player in the league, but... I don't know, is he better than Draymond Green? Is he better than Blake Griffin? LaMarcus Aldridge? Maybe he's better than LaMarcus. Maybe. You know what? That's that's an interesting debate. <laughs> I think that would all depend on the team around you. Yeah, that's true. Because those guys are supplementary players now, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, you know, him at 14, I can live with it. Jonas, that's a little bit low, man. You don't think so? I think it's low. I think that'll bump up after this season. Like, don't, don't you? Like, I know that the usage is something we're going to bitch about all year with Jonas because, let's face it, the Raptors do not run a lot of post-ups. They don't run a lot of things that favor JV's game. Mm-hmm. They kind of make him into, like, this garbage cleaner where he just picks up stuff off the glass, second-chance opportunities, um, pick-and-rolls where he dives to the cup, uh, like, the occasional post-up. A lot of things where he has to work for his points. So his stat line's not going to be gaudy, in my opinion, but it'll it'll improve. Yeah, but he's better than, like, Luol Deng is ranked higher than him. Yeah, he's better than him. Better than Jeff Jeff Teague, probably George Hill. Actually, you know what? George Hill's Hill's underrated. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that exact same thing. George Hill's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. He's the new Mike Conley, basically. Yeah, the problem with George Hill is that defense is not a flashy stat. Mm Mm-hmm. And he loves to play defense. So good at defense. And uh, he's a good three-point shooter as well. He's just solid. I think he's just all around a really solid player. Yeah, so, you know, Jonas, a little bit low, but not, not too low. So, I can't be mad at it. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking, I'm like, there's nobody else to be mad about. Yeah. <sighs> I guess we'll, we'll have to live with it, man, until training camp. And then they get to prove themselves again. How excited are you for training camp? I'm ecstatic, man. Every day we get closer to the to the season, I get more and more excited. So training camp starts, and it's like yes, just a little bit more, just more, just more, 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 more. And then preseason will start. I feel like I'm almost ready. And then the season starts. Like, dude, finally basketball's back. I know. This is, I guess, you know, when training camp starts, that's like the beginning of the season, basically. Yeah, one week, one week away from that. So. Once that starts, it's all the way out. Like we said earlier in the podcast, we're going to be back every week. This will be a regular thing again. So one, we kind of took a little break there, a little hiatus. One thing. How many games do you think the Raptors are winning this season? You want like a spot-on prediction? Yeah. Or you want me to go like over-under? No, just give, me, just give me a number. 53. 53. Is that if everything goes right, everything goes wrong? or? I think that's kind of in the middle. If everything goes right... They win 56 again, 55 to 57. Okay. If everything goes wrong, we're looking at like 45 to 48 wins. Was that like a Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry injury? Kyle Lowry injury, um, man. Corey Joseph being overworked to the point where he's playing minutes he's not used to playing and he just looks fatigued out there. Mm-hmm. 
and they're relying heavily on DeRozan, which would be a lot of volume scoring, which I think would in turn regress everything else on the team offensively. Okay. I think that would be like worst case scenario, but I think realistically they're looking at 50 to 53 wins. Okay. And I'll, I'll say 53. Hey Amen. Watch yourself. That means a little bit of a comeback for the Eastern Conference. For the Eastern Conference, man, you got a couple 50 win teams, Cavs. I think the Pistons. I think they're going to be a lot better. I think the Bucks will be interesting to watch. I don't know if they're going to be better or worse, but I think they're going to be compelling because they got all this length. Um, I think the Knicks will beat a few teams that they shouldn't. Like, there's going to be a lot of hype there. I think the Knicks may not be good as a whole, but I think they're going to be difficult to play in MSG this year. Yeah. Just because the excitement's back. There's going to be some pride about playing in MSG. There's just there's just something about that building. So, yeah. And they haven't been good there in a long time. The Eastern Conference on its way up. Yeah. I guess, like, <laughs> I guess all the mediocre teams are rising together. The to Western Conference is, team. you know, the Western Conference is going through a bit of a dip at this point just because of the, the consolidation of power. At the top, it's yeah, it's imbalanced. Now it's literally just like, hey, there's Golden State. Yeah, and then it's like, <laughs> and that's the conference. Yeah, and there's then, no more of like, hey, the Spurs can beat them. It's kind of like, oh, the Spurs, they're still really consistent. Mm-hmm. And Tim Duncan and is retired now, so yeah. And then what are you gonna say, L.A. the Clippers? Yeah, Go I'd Clippers! love to see it, but <laughs> you know, Doc Rivers is gonna coach him out of the game. He's oh. a really good coach, but there's so many questionable things with him, too. We'll see. But the West is, you know, after the Clippers and the Spurs, it's kind of like a morass of playoff teams. Like, you got Portland, the Jazz. I guess the Thunder. It depends on, what you, it depends on how, what you think of the Thunder. I think the Jazz are going to be the, good. What do you think of the Thunder? The, the Russell Westbrooks? <laughs> are you sure? I think it's going to be their Westbrook revenge tour all year. Yeah. All year. I mean, I I don't know how many points he's going to put up, but he'll put something up like like an Oscar Robertson line, mm-hmm. borderline triple double. Mm-hmm. How that translates for the Thunder? No, but I don't how many know. Games? Do you think they're going to win? That's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, I don't know how that's going to translate. Um, man, I, you know what? I don't think it's far fetched to say they could win fifty, like fifty what? plus. Oh my god! What? You think that's too much? <laughs> what is go? What are you serious right now? Dude, I think they could win 50. 50 games. 50 oh. and 32 record? You don't think they could pull that off? Oh, man. What is the over-under? Give me the over-under on that. Like, the tie. The over-under for them is 45 and a half. I feel like 50 is a best-case scenario where everything goes right. Okay. You you remember Serge Ibaka and Kevin Durant are no longer on that team. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying it's going to happen. I'm saying 50 is everything goes right for those guys. Because okay. I do think I think Utah's better. I think Utah is very underrated in the West. I think the Clippers are better. I think the Spurs are better. I think the Warriors are better. And I'm missing one team here. I think Portland's better. That was the last team, sorry. I think and those five teams are better. You think the Timberwolves are better too? They're better today than they were a year ago today. Fair. But I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. This is a year where they have to get accustomed to playing a new system. Tom Thibodeau's not the easiest coach to play with. I mean, he gets the most out of his guys, but he also wears them down. Mm-hmm. I think he's obviously evolved, but as a coach... But the team is super young, coach. though. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can grind these guys down, though, still. Right, I just I'm feel right. like it's all contingent on Carl Anthony Towns, man. I'm riding the hype for the Timberwolves. We're in the eighth spot, baby. Eighth spot in the West. So you think the Thunder are missing the playoffs? I think I don't think the Thunder are that good, man. I really don't. I don't think Russell Westbrook's like play style is... Uh, conducive to like a to a well-run team, especially okay, when here. like he's missing now he's missing shooters around him. Before he used to have Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka to shoot for him. Now he doesn't have anybody to shoot for him. So let's play a little game before we go. We agree that the Warriors, the Spurs, the Clippers, and the Jazz and the Blazers are all better than the Thunder, right? Right. So we're at five teams. Okay. So Thunder or Grizzlies? Who would you take? Ooh. Make this Ooh. is to like make the playoffs. I don't, even know, I don't even know how good the Grizzlies are. The Grizzlies, I don't know. I think the Grizzlies are taking a step back too. Okay. So, so you have the Thunder over the Grizzlies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Thunder or Rockets? D'Antoni, <laughs> pace in space, running gun. You know, James Harden, forty-five shot attempts a night. Okay. I think, <laughs> okay. Give me the Grizzlies. Okay, so you want the Grizzlies instead of the Thunder. Yeah. And then Thunder or Rockets? 
Thunder are going to be way better than the Rockets. Rockets okay. are terrible. Thunder or Timberwolves? We already know your bias is hell, so yeah, you're going Timberwolves. Okay. Thunder or Mavericks? I have the Mavs. Wow. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, Dirk. Let's do this. I know it's late at night or early in the morning, <laughs> but come on, man. You don't think Dallas is going to be good enough to make the playoffs? I think they're going to fight for that eighth spot. They've had less and made made the eighth spot, man. Oh, Rick Carlisle believer. Here we go. Now we're talking. That's what you're banking on then. Rick Carlisle getting the most out of his guys, which is possible. He's a really good coach. So, so possible. And they've had significantly less and have done much more. So, Okay, so the one final team would be a team that was a darling last year entering the season. The Pelicans. Pelicans or Thunder? The Pels. Or, uh, uh, I don't know, man. The team's always injured. It's impossible to tell. I don't believe in Tyreek Evans. So Thunder. Yeah. So you basically have the Thunder finishing ninth because ninth. you have, you got here Memphis, Minnesota, and Dallas all ahead of them. Yep. Which would place Oklahoma City in ninth. Yeah. Which, if you go based off the over-unders here, you think they're going to win like 40 games. Yep. For, 40 to 43. Max. Yep, that sounds very accurate to me. Okay. Very, very accurate to me. You have them at 50, man. No, no, I don't have them at 50. Right, I think 50 is if everything goes right. <laughs> I honestly think 45 and a half is properly rated. Okay, I think 45-ish, that ballpark. 50 is if they just, everything clicks. Steven Adams plays well. Oladipo finds a way to mesh with Westbrook. Who shoots Westbrook goes berserk. <laughs> I was just, I was literally going to say that next. I don't know who shoots. Maybe Roberson? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's laugh-worthy. You look at that roster, Cantor. Is Cantor popping in a few here? Like, yes. You look at it and you're just kind of like, they don't have any shooters. Yeah. And that's, remember what happened to the Bucks when they didn't have any shooters? Yeah, they shot a lot of bricks. Yeah, so. I'm just saying, man. 40, 40 sounds about right for me. Maybe you could talk me into less, but then I would get a little bit defensive. I mean, like, did Russell Westbrook die or something? I don't know. Did Russell Westbrook die? <laughs> If he gets hurt by any means and oh, you're the Thunder, you absolutely tank like you've never seen before. They have all their picks, so. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's worth it. Or do they have all their picks? That's a... Because they made some trades. I'm pretty certain they do. That's something I can look up, though, afterwards. Okay. That's all that's right. new tank city, though, if they lose Russell... Like, if you lose Westbrook... <sighs> yeah, it's, it's over with. All right, we're in the Western Conference. I think it's time to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good here. All right, guys. As always, if you like what you're listening, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can reach out to me at Chris O'Kranitz. If you want to reach out to Damar on Twitter, you can reach out to Damar at Damar J. Grant. Also, be sure to follow you know our new Beats guy here. We got G. Follow G on SoundCloud at G Seropia. As always, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Enjoy basketball. It's back, guys. We're right there. Training camp. Later, Dave. Take care, guys.